Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're so glad you've decided to join us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your heart and mind as our pastor, Chip Pendleton, brings us the Word of God. Well, we're starting a new sermon series this morning called Troublemaker. Anybody here ever known a troublemaker before? Anybody here ever been a troublemaker? Okay, we probably will. I'll admit, there are times I've actually been a troublemaker. Now, no, no, seriously. Now, there are extenuating circumstances every time, but sometimes it happens. I remember when we lived in Owensboro, and we came up to see my mom and dad, and we went to a Louisville Bats game. This was several years ago. Alyssa was just like, I don't know, eight years old. Andrew was like five or six and so, you know, we're trying to entertain them, taking them around. And so Alyssa gets to meet Buddy Bat. And she gets all excited. And she says, I want a Buddy Bat doll. And I say, okay, I'll go to the gift shop and get you one. So I got Andrew a Louisville Bats baseball. And I'm looking for a Buddy Bat doll. They don't have any. And I look and look. And what they have is a stuffed cow with a Louisville Bat sticker stuck on it. And I'm like, why do they have a stuffed cow instead of Buddy the Bat? And so I pick it up, and I go, and I wait in line. There's a fairly long line. I get up to the front, and she says, is that all? And I said, well, I don't want the cow. I want a bat. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, you're the Louisville Bats. I want a stuffed bat. And she goes, well, we don't have stuffed bats. We just have stuffed cows. And I said, why would you have a stuffed cow at a Louisville bat game? My daughter wants a bat. And she goes, I have no idea what you're even talking about, sir. And I go, I I want a bat, not a cow. And I look at Alyssa. I said, do you want the Louisville bat cow? And she goes, no, I don't want the cow. And so I I said, fine, just give me the baseball. So I start to leave the line and go off. About three people back, a lady goes, what was that about? And I said, what was that about? I said, my daughter just wants a stuffed bat because they're the Louisville bats, but they have stuffed cows. And she goes, well, that's silly. And I go, now ask her when you get up there. <laughs> so, so the lady gets up to the front. She goes, can I help you? And she goes, yeah, why do you have cows instead of bats? And the lady steps out from behind the counter and looks at me like this. <laughs> and I go, time to leave, Alyssa, time to leave. But I think that was their fault. They were antagonizing me. I wasn't antagonizing them, right? But sometimes we're troublemakers, okay? Well, we're going to look for the next few weeks at the life of Jesus, and we're going to see how Jesus was a troublemaker again and again and again. And what he was a troublemaker about was he refused to conform to the religious standards and expectations of his day. And he was always breaking what they thought he was supposed to do. And by doing that, he seemed to constantly be causing trouble. And as we look at a lot of these scriptures, what you're going to find is the things that Jesus was causing trouble with are the very same things we see in the church and in religion today that need to be challenged just as much as they did in the day of Jesus. So we're going to be over looking at two passages of Scripture, Matthew 21 and Luke 19. We're mainly going to be over in Luke 19, but I wanted to read you both passages of Scripture. This is about Jesus entering into Jerusalem. 
It's, the, it's going to be the beginning of the last week of his life. It's Sunday morning. Uh, we often call it Palm Sunday, where Jesus uh, it comes into Jerusalem that begins the last week of his life. And in Matthew 21, it describes it this way. Matthew 21, verse 7. They brought the donkey and the coat and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when Jesus entered the city, when Jesus entered, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Most of our time will be over in the Gospel of Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 19 down to verse 35. And we're told they brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the coat, and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, the people spread their cloaks on the road. And when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples became joyfully praising God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now some of the Pharisees in the crowd said of Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones would cry out. And as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if even you had only known on this very day what could bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. So with those two scriptures as our backdrop, let's look at Jesus the troublemaker today. And the first thing we see is this. The most important question you will ever answer in your life is who is Jesus to you? The most important question you will ever answer is, who is Jesus to you? Not just theoretically, who is Jesus, but in your life, who is Jesus? What's he mean to you? Not what did he mean to my mom and dad, or or what's he mean to, uh, to my relatives or my friends? Who is Jesus to you? That's the most important question you will ever answer. Because the way you answer that question has to do with how you live your life and what your life is going to be like. It has to do with with your eternity in heaven and hell. It has to do with hope and despair. It has to do with what you base your life on, the principles you have. It has to do with what you think are important and and, and how how you then live off of those values that you have. And all of those things connect back to the simple question that it's asked over in Matthew 21, verse 10. When Jesus came into Jerusalem and when he entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred and they said, who is this? And that's the question we all have to answer. Who is this one? Who is he to me? What does he mean to my life? That becomes the most important question we'll ever ask. Now, here's the thing. When Jesus entered in Jerusalem, there was this, this big, basically, parade that had taken place. A lot of noise, people yelling and screaming. So people were coming out of the houses and the stores, and they're going, what's going on here? You know, what's all this racket, all this noise? What's happening? And that's where they came and said, well, who is this? What's happening? What's going on? He'd gotten the attention of everyone that's there. When Dawn and I lived in uh, Virginia in a town called Buena Vista, uh, Virginia. Alyssa had just been born. Uh, we'd finally gotten her to sleep. It was about midnight, and suddenly 
Every fire alarm in the city starts going off. Police sirens are heard everywhere. And we're thinking, oh my goodness, you know, it must be uh, uh, the, the Soviet Union has attacked Buena Vista, you know, because we were a strategic city uh, in the Shenandoah Valley or something like that. You know, that, that's what's happening. What in the world's going on? We had no idea. You know, every, everything in the city is blaring and going crazy. We don't find out till the next morning that the high school football team had just won the state championship in Richmond and had just gotten back home. We knew they'd won the title, but they'd just gotten back home, and so the whole city was celebrating by turning on every alarm. But we're saying, what's going on here? Well, that's what's happening there. Oh, by the way, side note, that little high school just won their third straight basketball state championship yesterday. Okay, so anyway, anyway, that, 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 that's just a side note, so you can be impressed with that. Uh, But anyway, so we're thinking, what's going on here? That's exactly what they're saying here. Who is this man? And that's the question all of us have to answer. Now, when it comes to that question, there are three main ways of answering that question. Three main ways of answering the question, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus to me? And we see all three of them in our scripture passage. The first way we see that the question is answered is that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. Who's this Jesus to me? I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he's the Savior of the world. I believe he's come uh, to forgive me of my sins. And that's the, the first way a lot of people answer the question, who's Jesus? Look back to our scripture passage in Luke 19 down to verse 35. We're told that the disciples... Uh, brought the donkey to Jesus. They threw their cloaks on the donkey and put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks along the road. And so uh, basically what they're doing is they're, they're showing great honor and deference to Jesus. It's like they're taking off their cloak, throwing it in front of him so the donkey can walk on the cloak. It's kind of like putting out the red carpet. This is somebody really important. I'm going to throw palm leaves in front of you. I'm going to throw my cloak in front of you to show that you are royalty and you need to come in uh, on a red carpet. Anybody here ever seen a red carpet like that, that the famous people walk down and everything? Yeah, a few of uh, a few years ago, uh, some of us in the church went to a conference at Fuller Seminary, and it was the week of the Academy Awards. It was uh, uh, Rodney, our former associate pastor. It was Josh, our current associate pastor, Jeannie McClure, and myself. And I know you're thinking, poor Jeannie. You know, uh, uh, that I was in that group. Well, we decided to go to Hollywood. You know, all of our stuff was over, and so we go to Hollywood like at midnight, okay? Uh, because that's what ministers do. You hang out in Hollywood at midnight, you know? And so we go to Hollywood at midnight. We get there, and they're setting up all of the stuff for the Academy Awards. And so here's a picture of me as they're setting up the statue. I was very impressed uh, that they're, they're putting up the stuff there. But then they brought out the red carpet, and uh, so we see him there. They're setting up the red carpet. This is Josh. He had to go over and ask, ask all about the red carpet, you know. So tell me about your red carpet, you know. And <laughs> is this really red or is it actually crimson, you know. And he's talking to them about the, about the red carpet there. And then at, at about 1230 at night, they open that gate and they actually begin to lay down the red carpet. And so they're taking it up into the theater, putting down the red carpet. So that was really impressive. We thought, man, we're seeing them put down the red carpet at the Academy Awards. Well, that's what they're doing here for Jesus. Man, this guy is special. We love him. We're actually taking off the cloak that we wear so that the donkey can step on it and walk on this red carpet. Verse 37, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, 
And if you've ever been to Jerusalem, the Mount of Olives is kind of up on the hill. Uh, Jerusalem is uh, right across the Kidron Valley below it. And so he's about to go down that route uh, in, uh, to Jerusalem. The whole crowd of disciples begin joyfully to praise God in loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven, glory in the highest. Now that's repeating Psalm 118 verse 26. Now, this is what's important about what they're, they're calling out here. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That psalm was a messianic passage. And so what they're calling out is this is the Messiah. The one coming in is the Messiah. And so who did they think Jesus was? They think that Jesus is the Messiah that's coming to save the world. And for a lot of people, when it comes to the question of who is Jesus, and probably the majority of the people in this room, what you've come down to in your answer is that Jesus is the Savior of the world. That you believe that Jesus came, that he is the Son of God, he died on the cross, he took your sins on him, he rose from the grave, he's coming back again. You believe all of those things. And because you believe all of those things, it's changed your life, it's changed your purpose in life, it changes the way you view people and how you see the world and what you think is important. And all of that comes from answering the question, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. A second way we can answer the question of who is Jesus is for a lot of people, Jesus is just a prophet or a good man. He's just a prophet or a good man. They're not really sure who he is, and so they think, well, you know, he said some good stuff. He did some good stuff. I don't think he's God. I don't think he's my Savior. I think he was just a really good person, a really good philosopher. Over in Matthew 21 and verse 10, when Jesus comes into the city and everybody says, who is this man? Look at the answer in verse 11 from the crowd. This is, the, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. So the way they identify Jesus isn't as Messiah, isn't as God, isn't as Savior. It's just that this, this, this is Jesus. He's that great prophet you've heard about. And for a lot of people, that's what they think of Jesus. Well, he had some really good teachings. He was a really good guy. I like what they say about him. I respect who he was. And there's a lot of people that say those kind of things across the board. Uh, Mahatma Gandhi uh, said, I like your Christ. I just don't like Christians because they're not very Christ-like. Bill Maher, who is an atheist, uh, said this about Jesus. Jesus is great. I have no problem with Jesus. He's maybe the greatest philosopher in the history of the world. It's people who think this great philosopher was God who are insane. And so there's Bill Maher. Okay, I don't have any problem with Jesus. He's maybe the greatest philosopher in the world. Uh, the, the comedy group Monty Python. Every, everybody in Monty Python is an atheist. They did a movie several years ago called Life of Brian. Uh, which was loosely on, on the life of Jesus. And when they wrote the first script for Life of Brian, they were making fun of Jesus over and over again in the script. And then they read the New Testament. And when they read the New Testament, they liked Jesus, and they took out a lot of the mocking of Jesus himself and began to mock other things. And this is what Monty Python had to say about Jesus. When we read the New Testament, we found there was nothing to mock in it. We liked what was being said. This Jesus was a good guy. This Jesus was cool. It's actually pretty decent stuff. I think I would have liked the dude. And so that's kind of what it is. Okay, so who's Jesus? He's just a really good guy. He's a good philosopher. He's somebody that puts nice things out there and good principles to live by. 
So he's God and the Savior of the world. That's going to dictate one way that you live. He's a good philosopher. Maybe we can learn some things from his teachings. And then the last thing is how people can view Jesus is that he's either a false prophet, he's a lunatic, or he's just not, it's not, none of it's true at all. It's just all made up. Look over back to Luke chapter 19, verse 39. So Jesus is coming into the city. The crowds are cheering. They're yelling out these messianic phrases, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the religious leaders get very upset at this. And in verse 39, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Tell them to stop saying you're the Messiah. Tell them to stop saying you're a great prophet. Tell them to stop this stuff. Rebuke your disciples. Because you see, they didn't believe in Jesus at all. You read the whole New Testament and you'll find out the kind of things they said about Jesus was, well, he casts out demons because he's got a demon in him. They said things like, he's the devil himself. They said things like, this man is crazy. He's a blasphemer. He's breaking the Holy Scripture. He's against everything that we believe in. Those were the kind of things that they were saying about Jesus. Even his own family before the resurrection thought Jesus was crazy. And they went and tried to bring Jesus home because they thought he'd lost his mind. And so that's what a lot of people still today think about Jesus. He's a lunatic. He was a false prophet. He didn't exist at all. Those are the kind of things that people still think and believe about Jesus. If you believe in a historical Jesus, then you're stupid, you're uneducated, you're delusional. And those are the kind of things you hear over and over again. Here are some of the things some famous people have said about Jesus that just didn't believe in him at all. One is uh, the, the, the great philosopher Frederick Nietzsche. And Nietzsche said this about Jesus. What I hate the most about this one called Jesus was his elevation of the lowly. His saying that everyone is equal. His believing that pitiful, suffering, tormented people are somehow of worth. They are the lower order. There is nothing good about lower level people. Because Nietzsche, of course, believed in an evolutionary thing where the higher you get on the scale, the better you are. And uh, so if you're at the lower level, there's no worth to you at all. He didn't like Jesus saying people had worth. The famous atheist philosopher Bertrand Russell said, Jesus is not a moral leader. He is the enemy of anything moral that has ever been in the world. And then Ayn Rand, who who has the, uh, uh, the, the distinction of being loved by both liberals and conservatives. How that happened, I have no idea. Uh, But anyway, this is what Ayn Rand, her main problem with Jesus. My main problem with Jesus is the insanity of saying, love other people first. Love yourself first. Who cares about other people? And she's the main philosopher of both the left and the right today. Then you wonder why our country's in such a mess. And you see it, you see it right there. So that's another way of answering the question, who is this Jesus? So he's the son of God and savior of the world. You're going to live a certain way if you really believe that. Well, he's a good guy. Uh, I like some of his teachings. Maybe you'll try to, you know, treat people right or something if you believe that. Or he's just a lunatic or he didn't exist at all and you're crazy if you believe any of that stuff. Those are three ways that you can react to who Jesus is. Is he the son of God? Is he not? And that brings us to the last thing that we see. The way you answer the question of who Jesus is will determine what your future is going to be like. The way you answer the question of who is Jesus will determine what your future 
is going to be like. Now, it's interesting that in, in verse 40, uh, the religious leaders say to Jesus, you know, or in verse 39, the religious leaders say to Jesus, rebuke your disciples. Now, Jesus could have done a lot of things here. Jesus could have explained to them why this was happening. He could have said, you know, tried to, to, uh, to, to uh, uh, mediate with the, the religious leaders here. But instead, in verse 40, instead of doing that, Jesus just causes trouble. They already don't like him. They already believe he's a false prophet. They say, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And look at what he says in verse 40. Rebuke my disciples. I tell you, if they stopped and became quiet, the very rocks would begin to cry out my praises. Do you think they liked him better after that? No, that's just causing trouble. That's all he was doing there. But he's trying to tell them, look, there's something going on here that you've got to understand something going on here that's bigger than who we are. And then he goes on and he says something really interesting uh, in verse 42 or verse 41. As he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. So he has this confrontation with the religious leaders and then he sees the city of Jerusalem and he starts to cry. And as he's crying, listen to what he says, the very next sentence, verse 42. If you, even you, had only known that on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's been hidden from your eyes. And so what he's saying is this, the whole reason I'm here is because I love you. The whole reason I'm here is to take your sins upon me and to die in your place. The whole reason I am here is to bring you peace. But you won't recognize that. You won't see it. You won't believe it. And you're going to miss out on all of that peace that I'm trying to bring you right now. And that's still what happens today. People who answer the question in different ways miss out on the peace that Jesus has for them. But it's more than, oh, well, they were stupid. They believed something they shouldn't have or whatever. It's more than that. When Jesus looked at Jerusalem, he began to cry. It broke his heart because he's about to suffer and die for these people. And they don't even understand or recognize or appreciate what he's going to do. All he's wanting to do is to give them peace. And they're fighting it every step of the way. And it still happens today. You know, there are really only two answers, not three, to the question of who is Jesus. And the only two answers is, I believe Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world, or that he's not. Those are the only two answers that you get. If you remember C.S. Lewis uh, in Mere Christianity, said, I want to stop this nonsense of people thinking that Jesus was a good philosopher. Anybody that says what Jesus did wasn't a good philosopher. He's either a lunatic, like someone who says, I'm a poached egg, a devil from hell himself, or the savior of the world, and you should throw yourself on your knees and worship him. But this, this, this idiocy of saying he was a good man, he doesn't leave that available to you. And that's exactly where we stand today. It either is yes or no. If you say he was a good philosopher, that's a no. He either is the savior of the world or he's not. And the way you answer that then determines how you're going to live your life, what's important in your life, what matters in your life. It all goes back to the way you answer that question. And everything you do for the rest of your life hinges on that one question. 
Because if you say he is the savior of the world, then, you, then he is your God, he is your savior, he is your authority. Then you begin to say, okay, I'm going to follow his teachings and his ways. I'm going to, be, I'm going to love other people. I'm going to care for other people. Uh, I'm going to let other people know about him and his love. It changes everything about you and who you are. If you say no, it changes everything about you. If you say, no, I, I don't believe Jesus existed. I don't believe there's a God. Then basically what you're saying is this world has no rhyme, no reason. It was just all by chance. And, and, you know, uh, and so, you know, you live a few years, you die, nothing mattered in, 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 in the first place. And so it all goes back to answering that question of who is Jesus in the world. And the question is so important that Jesus literally wept when he thought of people that would answer the question the wrong way. And so now you have to ask yourself, who is Jesus to me? Probably a lot of you know who Albert Pujols is, one of the best players in Major League Baseball history. Grew up very poor uh, in the Dominican Republic. When he finally uh, made the major leagues, uh, he uh, met a woman, said, the first time I saw her, I knew we were going to get married. I fell in love with her. And uh, he said, we started dating. And uh, I told her, hey, you know what? You know, I think you and I got something uh, that's really special here. And Albert Pujols' wife said, well, I'm not going to date anybody seriously that won't go to church with me. And he said, I thought about that, and I thought, look, I'm playing baseball most of the year and most Sundays, so it's only a few times out of the year. And I said, well, sure, I'll go to church with you. And then they get a little bit more serious, and and she says, well, I'm not going to marry anybody that doesn't go to church with me. And he goes, I'll I'll go to church with you. It's fine, you know And he said, so he began to attend church with her. And one Sunday, the pastor got up and he asked this question. What's the most important thing in the world to you? It's kind of like, who do you think Jesus is? What's the most important thing in the world to you? And then he began to think about that all that week. And he said, well, I guess if I had to answer, the most important thing would be me. You know, he, he must have been an Ayn Rand disciple there or something like that. And, uh, and then after me, uh, my career, all this stuff that I have, that would be important to me. Well, and my, and my wife, she would be important. Those are the things that are the most important to me. And he said, then I began to think about my wife. And I thought, what's more important to her than anything in the world? And I thought, what's more important to her is loving God, loving me, loving other people. It's not about her. It was about the way she was loving others. And then I thought about the church, and I said, what's important to them? And it was all about loving other people. And I said, where does that come from? And it comes from the relationship they have with Jesus. And he said nothing to his wife, and the next Sunday morning, they started the invitation at church, and he said to his wife, this is what I believe. And to her shock and amazement, got up and walked down the aisle and gave his life to Christ. Got a picture here of Albert Pujols and his, his wife right here. Uh, he still thinks she's pretty, as you can tell uh, right there. Albert Pujols has now started to do something every time somebody gets on first base. He plays first base. You know what he does? They get on first base, they lead off, and he says, what's the most important thing in your life right now? And he said, they look at him like he's crazy, and then they go on to second base. And he said, every once in a while, somebody gets on first base twice in a game. And when they get on first base twice, they come back and he said, okay, you've had a few innings to think about it. What's your answer? 
And he said, uh, uh, one game, a guy looked at him and said, why did you ask me that? And he said, he looks at the guy and he says, because, my friend, there's a lot of things more important than playing a baseball game. And then he went to second base. A couple innings later, he got on base again, three times on first base. And Pujols said, okay, you've had an entire game to think about your answer, Matt. What's the most important thing to you in the world? And the guy looked at him and said, well, up to two innings ago, I would have said baseball. But then I thought, I'm only going to play another 10 years or so. And if this is the most important thing in the world to me, that would be pretty sad, wouldn't it? And Pujol said, I looked at him and said, yeah, that would be really sad. And then he took off to second base. Said he never really finished the conversation. It was just some seeds that were planted at that particular time. But the guy's now thinking, what's really important in this world? The most important question you will ever ask and answer is, who is Jesus to you? And the way you answer that question caused trouble back then, causes trouble today, and will change everything about you. Because the way you answer it determines what your life is going to be like. Let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, help us to realize that you still look down as you did at Jerusalem that day. And your heart breaks. And all you want is our peace. Help us to seek that peace that comes only from you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I guess for the invitation, you know, we always do. You come and you can join. We'll always want people to come and be prayed for. But the simple invitation today is for you to answer the question that we've been talking about. Who is Jesus to you? And before you leave this room, answer that question. And if your question is, I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God, I really believe that he is my Savior, and you've never made that step of commitment to him, then this morning you've been challenged. Come down this aisle, say, I want Jesus Christ in my life, and I want to follow him as Lord and Savior and be baptized. It's the most important thing you will ever do in your life, and it will change everything about you. But before you leave this room, answer that question. You can leave today and say, to me, he's still a good philosopher. Sounds good, I don't believe it. You can leave the room and say, I don't believe it at all, it's crazy. But if Jesus is working on you right now, you need to know that he looks down right now and his heart breaks because all he wants is your peace. And he's calling to you and he's saying, make that commitment. Let me give you the peace you've been looking for so long in your life. Let's close the prayer if we could. Father, wow, it's unbelievable to think how much that you love us. As we go out today, help us to realize that The way we answer that question of who you are to us makes all the difference in our life. And if we've answered it that you are our Savior and our Lord, then, Father, we were supposed to be living in a different and a higher and a better way. Help us to do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on Contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, keyword mywrbc. 
At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening, and join us next week for another message from God's Word.